Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club of United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I catch up with Dr. Lillian Nijad. Lillian has been a clinical psychologist for over 20 years. She has her own practice and she's also now started an online company and course called Skills for Life Courses. I love the name. I love this person. It was the first time I had met her and it was it's probably one of my favorite episodes, or if not my favorite episode that I've done. It's something I'm very passionate about, which is the mental health of business owners. As a business owner, as the leader, you know, you deal with your shit, you deal with your team staff, you deal with your family. You're being stretched in all these different ways and sometimes you need the tools and the knowledge to handle that. And we scraped the surface of it today. I'm actually going to get her to do regular episodes with me because I think, I think we all need it. Anyway, it was one of my favorite episodes. So enjoy the show. So we have many really good topics to talk about today. I've, I've read your prep sheet. We've got anxiety, insomnia, values, dealing with pressure, dealing with worries, the feeling of the need for acceptance. I mean, the, I, I need at least four of the five or six things I just said. So we're just going to be- I think everybody <laughs> needs all of that. Everybody needs that. It's it's amazing. And, and you're the best person to be speaking to about it because you are Dr. Lillian Nejad. Perfect. Clinical psychologist. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, and I know I told you just before, but now that we're in the show, you have one of the best voices I have ever heard, I reckon. It's a very soothing, just nice voice. Thank you so much. Have you been I told that before? That. I have. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. <laughs> well, I've, pr- I've produced relaxation and mindfulness um, <laughs> uh, programs and exercises, and I have a CD. So I, I have received some feedback on that. And so, so t- t- tell us tell us about that. What are you doing at the moment? Well, at the moment, um, I'm working on uh, kind of a new business. I feel like it's still evolving. It's called Skills for Life Courses and Coaching. It's um, I really like that name. Thank you very much. Um, it's always hard to come up with a name for a new business, I feel like. I feel like Skills for Life, it's generic, but it really covers what, I, what I'm wanting to do because I... I am in the business of helping people learn the skills they need to improve their life no, I, at home and at work. When coming up with names for businesses, I, I think it's great when the name actually tells you what it does. Like, yeah, uh, I agree. Know, there, there's great names too that are just random words that, that you know, you, you relate to a certain thing eventually. But, but it's like uh, Toys R Us. I know that's where I get toys. I think they're bankrupt now. <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's but so sad. I, I, but still, I would go there and get toys if they were. Yeah, I think Skills for Life is is fantastic. And and um, is it, so is Skills for Life. That's the audio courses you're currently doing. Yeah. So Skills for Life is basically an online platform that I'm developing where um, I create and narrate. Um, online courses on a variety of mental health and well-being issues. So basically it's skills training courses. So at the moment I have two audio courses that are already made and on the platform. One's on insomnia and the other one's on anxiety. But the idea is to expand on that and to also create it in multiple modalities. So having video courses as well as audio so that we can um, deliver things that suit you know, somebody's personal learning style. And you've been a clinical psychologist, but 
Can I just check, what's the difference between a clinical psychologist and a psychologist? Well, uh, clinical psychology is a branch of psychology that is focused on treating mental health issues and problems. Okay, psychologist. So so someone says, I'm a clinical psychologist. That means I'm a psychologist that specializes in mental health problems. Yes, and treating mental health issues, um, disorders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So we tend to, um, a lot of us tend to work in the public mental health system when we start to really, um, really understand how to treat the more severe end of issues. And that's how I started my career as well. And you've done that for 20, you've been a clinical psychologist for 20 years. Yes. I think I got my, I was registered in 1998. So wow. if you do anything for 20 years, you have to be great. At it. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's true, but I hope that that's true for oh, me. Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> And, and you mentioned you've dealt with some quite severe cases. What's a severe case in the world of clinical psychology? Well, I guess um, my first job in public mental health was on the inpatient psychiatric wards. So those were people who were going through kind of the acute phase of their illness. So, and tended to be people with... Um, Is that like schizophrenia? Yeah, or? like psychotic disorders like schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder or mood disorders um, like bipolar disorder or severe depression. Um, sometimes severe anxiety disorders. And what um, causes the, uh, how common are these disorders? Like, uh, are they, would you assume that you're all, in your life you're going to run into a few people that uh, are schizophrenic or bipolar or is it they're not oh, that common? Probably. I mean, it's not, unfortunately, it's not something people are really open about. So you don't necessarily know. It's not super common. I mean, it's probably 1% to 2% of people will experience extremely severe symptoms. Um, yeah, because like so could you be slightly bipolar? Would you say I'm slightly <laughs> bipolar, Laura? <laughs> Can you be slightly? Well, or? we probably wouldn't um, class- yeah, yeah. To classify you like that. There are certain criteria that you have You're on to the spectrum. meet. <laughs> but um, um, so that's how you classify it. There's, 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 yeah, there's specific criteria that you have to meet. We usually use the, it's called the DSM. Five, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Psychiatric mm-hmm. Disorders. And when we do an assessment, we're looking at, you know, how much you meet those criteria. And, and that's how you, so that's how the, um, I guess, the industry or who what would you call it, the other s- smart people like yourself um, <laughs> are able to, uh, are, that, that's kind of the, what's, what you got, the platform for judging if someone has, a disorder. Well, that's part of the training to be a clinical psychologist is to be able to do a proper comprehensive assessment um, to be able to to diagnose. Amazing. And yeah. and why, why don't we, because obviously this is the first time I've met uh, you mm-hmm. and I'm very happy to have you in the club because it sounds like a lot of the members need you. <laughs> but but, um, but when you, um, I'd love to know a bit more about yourself, where you're from, how you kind of got into psychology and, and, mm. and to Australia? Oh, well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> so you can tell from my accent I'm not from Australia, but I assure you I'm an Australian citizen and I've been here for over 20 years. Um, but I grew up in the D.C. area of the United States and I went to school in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, when I say school, I mean university. And, and then I went on a European vacation and met my boyfriend at the time, my husband now, um, who He's an Aussie boy. happened to be Australian, yeah. So we met and then, um, you know, had had some correspondence 
Back in the old days, that was letters and phone calls, not emails <laughs> or video chats, which made it uh, a lot more expensive and uh, complicated. But after a year of that, I ended up moving here and um, decided to do my postgraduate education here because I figured, you know, I'm 22. I can do it wherever. Might as well might as well live in Australia for a while. Why not? It's the greatest country on the planet Earth. That's so, what I, I found mean, out. Smart 22-year-old. Yeah, that's what I found out. Um, and yeah, I've been here ever since. Very happy. We're still um, together and I've got we've got two kids. And what made you get into psychology? Were your parents psychologists? Were no, uh, my da- my dad is a surgeon, and my mother um, was a nurse, and also uh, a lot of other things. Um, she's uh, a Renaissance woman. Um, but I guess I my interest in psychology started in university. I was a, a psychology major. I was going to be a lawyer. Actually, I feel like my mind, because it's quite a logical mind. Uh, was very much geared towards law and that side of things. But what I found was that um, I like to develop the parts of myself that aren't well-developed, and I felt like psychology was going to take me in that direction. Um, And I met some fantastic professors who really inspired me, and I just thought psychology is where I want to go. Psychology is my fate. If I was to study, I actually got asked this by GQ, what would you recommend – young people study for, for business. And I thought about it because I didn't study and my answer was psychology. And it was because, well, it, I mean, studying the hum, like humans and the human brain, like it's, it's relevant for everything. It doesn't matter what you do in life. It is relevant for everything. And I think that would, you know, I think that would suit you, Daniel, because you really have a strong interest in people and that's what you need. You need that kind of unconditional positive regard for people and creating strong relationships and that's what you need to to be able to do as a psychologist and so um where should we start because there's a lot of things we could (laughs) talk about i mean i'm trying to choose is it anxiety is it insomnia i really liked what you was uh, what you were saying uh, off the podcast uh, about uh, values and how you you know focusing in and zoning in on your values um um, where, where do you think we should start? What's I think that's a great right place to start. Values? Yeah, I mean, you can start anywhere. We can talk about whatever well, you let's want, do value. Let's, oh, <laughs> Like I said, the insomnia one, I need, <laughs> I need that. Um, but but um, now let's start with values. I feel like that's that's about you. It's the fundamental building blocks of a person, and then we can get into the, to the rest. Yeah, but, I agree. I think values are the guiding principles in your life, and I think a lot of us tend to go through life without really thinking about what our values are. So when I, you know, when I'm working with someone, whether it's as a psychologist or whether it's, you know, doing more skills training and coaching, I always want to know, like, what are people's um, ideas about their own values and how do they actually live their life? Do, are they living their life according to their values? Or are they making choices and decisions that aren't really in line with their values? But how would you describe what a value is? Because, you know, and I've heard it a few times, um, you know, are people living life according to your values? Like, it, it can sound a bit like fluffy sometimes. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? Agree. And like, if someone said that to me, I'd be like, I don't think, you know, what are you talking about? I'm just living my life. But, but, but it is very important. And, and so I, I want to understand what it is, you know, so, yeah. how, so because really back in the day, was anyone saying, oh yeah, these are my values. I'm going to live my life that way. Or were people just living? Yeah. Well, I think that a lot of people are just living. And, um, I think 
right now we're realizing that having some more self-awareness and being more have reflecting on ourselves can be really helpful in terms of making the most effective and the best choices in our lives. So values are really, they're not the same as strengths. Like strengths are, you know, the qualities that you think that you do really well, you know, the things um, like you might have a strength in, you know, academic pursuits or you might have a strength in... Maybe socially. Socially, exactly. Where a value is more like a guiding principle. Um, It's like, um, you know, like I have like these quotes to live by. Mm-hmm. I think you do too. There, there are certain quotes that I think reflect my values. So for instance, um, if you, Dolly Parton has a great one. What is it? <laughs> if you want the rainbow, you got to put up with the rain. <laughs> so I think that, that that's a value that's kind of steeped in acceptance, like accept the things that are part of your life. And once you can do that, then you can make the changes as required. Um, or you might not be able to make those changes. You might just need to accept the circumstances that you're in. Um, so that's a value. Uh, another value is close relationships. So what is, you know, being able to develop them and maintain them and nurture them, um, you know, whether that's your family relationships or your friends or your colleagues. But so these are examples of values. For example, though, but like values, for yeah. someone, someone could uh, there could be a person that that one of their key values is not relationships. That's right. Yeah. No, okay. everyone has their own values, yeah. and that's the point. The point is we're all different, and we all need to know what's important to us. That's the question to ask yourself. And, and so, how would you kind of think about your values? Would you sit there and say, so for example, for me, would I sit? Would I sit down? And I've actually done this because another member told me to do mm-hmm. this, but. But would I sit down and say, um, okay, what are the most important things to me in life? I think that's a great place to start. And then that's kind of how you could identify your Yeah. Your What's values. important to you? What do you love? How mm-hmm. do you want to live your life? Mm-hmm. Or how do you want to live your life that as can, well? Yeah, I think that those are great questions to well, ask Because yourself. if you want a really nice life, obviously one of your values must be ambition. It could be could for be. you, yeah. I mean, it depends what a nice life means to you. That's not going to mean the same thing to me or to, or to anybody else. Yeah, I'll be else. more specific. <laughs> yeah. If you want a very luxurious life. Right. Ambition could be one of your values. That's or great. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that the positive be, though, that's spin. A negative, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to be realistic. Sometimes people have bad values, no? Well, bad is very judgmental. I think okay. I, here's another value. Um, non-judgmental stance. Mm-hmm. So be curious, not judgmental. That's a great quote by Walt Whitman. And I, I, I love that quote. I think curiosity is, I would actually put curiosity as one of my values. There you go. I think it's. I, and how do you live your life um, by that value? How do you express curiosity? Um, I look up things. I study things. So if something, I, I like to know how things work. Yeah, and you do this podcast, and you ask lots of questions. Yeah, you get to know people. this podcast is great. <laughs> this podcast is great because because um, I just get to know basically a new person every week. Yeah. and some of the members that uh, like we have on the show, obviously, if they're a long term member, I've known them for a long time. Or you know, if they're a member uh, when Cup was small, I knew all of the members, and so I'm still friends with them from then. But but then like this week, I've done. 
um, six episodes, which is a huge that's amount. That's a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a lot of talk. I mean, it's probably not a lot of talking for you because you, you would be used to doing this type of thing. But but for me, a lot of talking. Sure. And, um, and three of the members, uh, including yourself, I had never had the privilege of meeting. So it's awesome because I get to – Meet you for the first time in, in front of thousands of people. Really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think, you know, it's a great example. Like if, um, uh, this podcast is an expression of two of your main values, which are. Which would be what? Curiosity and, clo- you know, creating like great relationships. Well, you could throw another one in. The, yeah, relationships. Yeah. The, 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 that would definitely be as well. Okay, so so you, you create your values. You, you, you think about your values. What's important to me in life? What's the life I want to live? You, how many values really should you have? Look, there's no shoulds. Whenever you use the word should, it's judgmental. Yeah, but then you get the person does 90 <laughs> values. It's like, relax, you're not all the good words in the world. <laughs> That's you right. Know? Oh, look, oh, I, I, there's no specific number, but maybe five. Five might be good yeah, to okay. start with, I three agree. to five. And, 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 and what do you mean by live your life that way? Is it, well, you, is it more important just to identify them? Well, you, you know, be, being able to be aware and identify them is step one. It's not the full shebang you actually need to live your life that way if you want if you want to feel like fulfilled and that you've got meaning and purpose in your life then the best way to do that is to know what your values are and then align what you do with your values okay so that and that would you would assume make you happier or happy well you know what here's the thing happiness is a feeling and it's fleeting so i actually don't like when people just want to pursue happiness. I agree with that because most of the time that I've ever done anything that I that I was proud of, I wasn't happy. You know, like I wasn't particularly, it wasn't easy. You know, there was... Exactly. So a lot of the things that give us meaning in life are not just about being happy and joyful, right? If you think about just the basic things, like having children, for instance... Yeah, there are times where you're feeling happy and joyful, but there's also times where you're feeling really anxious, you're sad, you're disappointed, you're guilty. It's a whole range of things. It's the same with starting a business. You know, it's a whole range of feelings, and you need to be prepared for that when you're living your life. You know, that's part of the acceptance. It's almost like people should be taught. It's kind of like happiness is like the little drug at the end you get. There's like a bit of a reward for doing something good, but, but people should maybe be taught in school even, that um, to get happiness or to have that little, is it a dopamine hit or what is it? Yeah, pretty much. So to have that hit of dopamine, you also need to do something, or sometimes you need to do something that's, well, either you can do something that's in line with your values. For example, if family is a key value of yours, when you're with your family and everyone's laughing, okay, you might be happy. So you're living in terms of your values. So that could be how values uh, right now. I'm happy because I'm enjoy. I enjoy this. Maybe that's in line with my values. But but also sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do in order to have that hit. For example. I lived in Melbourne for like two years. Not that I don't love Melbourne. I love Melbourne. But Melbourne's my f- the best, by the way. It's amazing. <laughs> but um, but uh, my family's in Sydney and, and I have a nice place in Sydney and and uh, I was comfortable in Sydney. You know, I, all my friends are from Sydney. And, um, and I had to live here. And I mean, now I'm happy because we've got an amazing company in Melbourne. But And I don't have to – I can come and go as I please now. But, but, you know, for a long time there, it was really hard work, uh, long hours or – not stressed because I don't get stressed, but 
Well, but yeah. my point is, my point is, people should know that sometimes things are hard and it sucks, or you do you have to do things you don't want to do in order to achieve potentially long-term happiness or even just one hit of dopamine. And you know what? Like it's usually a mixed bag. It's not like you just feel one one thing, you know, at once. You can feel happy and anxious at the same time. And I think that a lot of people think that if they start feeling anxious or sad or disappointed or kind of any sign of discomfort or, or distress, that something's wrong with them. And it's like, no, actually, that's part of life. And when you do something that's challenging or new or that has like uncertain outcomes potentially, you're going to feel those things. And that's what you're supposed to be feeling. Um, it's funny because that's a lesson I learned is everything happens for a reason. Your body's producing these hormones and giving you these feelings to stimulate some sort of action from you. Yes. And, but I can also say, and I'm sure a lot of business owners are like this too. Uh, if I feel anxious about something, I almost get angry at the, at myself. I'm like, what yes. you, what are you, you judge yourself. Man, up. Well, yeah, you, it's not ju- yeah, maybe you could call it judge, but it's more like, um, oh, I don't know. God, this is, very early to be talking about this type of stuff, <laughs> but but but, um, but I can relate to that. You know, if you have anxiety, just being disappointed in yourself for having anxiety. Absolutely, and I think that that's what a lot of people do. And so instead of just accepting that anxiety is just part of, you know, the circumstances that you're in, and it's completely reasonable to feel that way. You start piling on disappointment and anger and guilt for feeling anxious, and then you've got a big pile of distress. When all you could have had was just the anxiety and just accepted it for what it was. But how do you accept it? You know, how do you accept negative feelings for anxiety, it's not, okay. depression? First of all, it's not negative. That's okay. the first thing. So okay. you really need to understand. Well, it's not positive. I can promise you that. Well, I don't think that it's helpful actually to look at it as positive or negative. I think it's more. It's much more helpful or, to see it as functional or dysfunctional. Yeah, I like function. It's like for a reason. Yes, because um, every emotion that we have is there for a reason. So whether it feels uncomfortable or distressing or, you know, whether it feels good, there it all serves a purpose, um, including the ones that people generally think of as negative. So people think of sadness or anxiety or anger as negative emotions. But if you really think about it, um, all of those emotions are communicating something to you that's useful. They're often communicating some something to other people that's useful. And they're also... Um, have the potential of motivating you to, to actions that are very effective and useful. And I also think the negative ones, like um, <laughs> you're going I know to they're not negative. You're just being rebellious now. I also think the like, let's say, um, let's say the negative ones, like um, like a depression, sadness. Right. Um, I I've always believed that uh, life has its balance for an up, it has a down, for a down there's an up. And, and any time in my life I've ever been, uh, um, maybe not just sad, but like very sad, mm-hmm. it was always a trigger to change something and then it got very good after. So, you know, even the, what people would assume are negative ones, but they're not negative, they're just there for a reason. Uh, what do you call it? Active. No. A perp- no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> anyway. Accept. Accept your emotions. Yeah, but they, Figure my point out is what they're they there are. for a reason. They're there for a reason. And it can be really just helpful, one, to just say, I'm having this feeling and it's reasonable for me to feel this way. That's step one. Okay? You validate your feeling. 
then you can start asking questions. Well, what is this feeling telling me? What's the information here? Um, what is it communicating to me? What is it communicating to other people? And what is it making me want to do? Because usually with an emotion, there's an urge to action. And is that action that it's giving me the urge to want to do, is that an effective thing to do or is it ineffective? Is it functional or is it dysfunctional? It's not the emotion that's negative or positive, but it can be that the actions that come from the emotions can be negative, can or, be positive. negative or positive. Okay, but um, what about is, is it real? So, you know, sometimes you feel something. It could be love or it could be depression or it could be anything extreme. They're two good mm-hmm, extreme ones, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But you could think also, is it real? Because if you're sad, you know, yeah, you know when you think back to a time when you were sad and you're like, what is that guy? Who is that person? Or you know, it, it, it's, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. And then when it goes, you're like, it's gone. Like, yeah. it, was it fake? You know, or is it just your body producing hormones at that period of time to stimulate that? Uh, you know what I mean? It, yeah, are they no, real? Is, well, is them, are emotions real? I think it's helpful to view them as real if you're if that's your experience in the moment. It doesn't mean that it's a long-lasting or even that it makes emotion, sense or that it even makes sense. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't make sense. I was like I like to think of it as like we have three states of mind, so this isn't just coming from me. It's coming from really good psychological theory. Um emotion mind. So emotion mind is when you've got the that intensity, you know, like your emotions are in control, like you're saying like passion and anger and, you know, they, they live there and they're making your choices for you. And then you've got your kind of rational or more logical mind. And that side is devoid of emotion. It's not paying attention to emotion. It's just like, what do I need to do? I'm going to get it done. What's the logical, practical kind of thing to do? Um, and they both have their strengths and their weaknesses, right? So sometimes when you're an emotion mind and you've got like passion or love and, you know, that can be fantastic to be in that state of mind. You can also make bad decisions, like buy something very expensive in the heat of the (laughs) room. That's right. So it's got both sides. So that's my point. My point is that it's not um, inherently negative to be an emotion mind. It just depends on the circumstances. And that's the same with the logical mind. Sometimes you need to just be logical. Like if you think about a surgeon going in, you know, and doing surgery, they don't, you don't want an emotional (laughs) surgeon. You just want someone to go in and get, get the job done. Right. But then you've got this middle place, which is um, wise mind. And wise mind is the place where you're able to synthesize and integrate and accept the emotional side and the logical side. And then find like that kind of truth, that intuition, that thing that feels like the right thing, the most effective thing. And wise mind, that's, is that you'd assume that grows over time because... It's kind of your ability to navigate your personal experiences with the other two minds. That's right. So, like, when I was younger, um, I didn't – you you almost don't understand your body and how it works Mm -hmm. until you're older and you've gone through experiences and you've witnessed – how your body, it's not even you feel, it's just your body, how it is cope, copes with things and what triggers it. And, and as you get older, you kind of have that, the third, so emotion, logic, and then your wise mind, your wise mind grows. It's okay, I can, I know how to navigate this. I can probably guess that I'm going to feel like this, in fact, 
on this, you know, if this happens because that's how I react. Mm-hmm. If that does, you know, chill out, man. You know, <laughs> it's just your body. It's yeah, just your spaceship right. going, you know? Yeah, it's a learning process. That's very cool. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, and you know, I think that uh, the younger generation, I know you're very young and I'm a lot older than you, but even younger people than you, because uh, I'm watching my kids go through this in, in school, like they're 11 and 14 now. They are so... I'm not that young. You could, you look like you could be my sister. Well, I'm not that age. <laughs> I mean, I'm very much older sister. <laughs> but my uh, my children are so much more um, psychologically minded. They they just get taught more about in school now about well being and about accepting your emotions and you know interpersonal effectiveness skills. And they just have this kind of um, intelligence around um, other people, and they're naturally more. Um, less judgmental as well. It's just beautiful. It's actually really beautiful to see that um, but, in the younger generation. See, that wasn't. I never had any of that um, when I was when I was at school. But what what are your thoughts on um, on mental health being like a a big deal these days? Do you think that it's good, or do you think that sometimes it kind of opens negative doors for? Or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Oh, look, I think, um, no. <laughs> I think it's really important for Cause it the could aware, be- awareness. I okay. think that it's really helpful to reduce stigma, to know that there are people out there um, who agree. experience all kinds of things, all kinds of emotions, um, and that sometimes that can lead to a mental health problem, like a disorder, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it's just you go through a, a patch of distress and there's there are reasons for that you know we life is full of challenges and if we don't accept that we're going to be a lot less resilient when those challenges occur so uh, I, I, do you think though that it's because i agree it's good for to talk about it. it's good to make it a a thing but i think and i what i see happens is that people then because they oh my kid's anxious or oh, my kid's whatever mm. then they they let the kid not go do the thing they're anxious about or, oh, she, um, you know, she's, she's, um, she's anxious about year 12. Oh, I'm going to let her drop out. Or, oh, he, you know, little Jimmy's scared of doing his long distance cross country running race, uh, you know, cause he's fat or, or cause he's, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's just painting a picture. You guys. <laughs> Everything I say isn't it? But, but this is real, you know, because one hundred percent, I completely yeah, agree with they you. They should be encouraged to do to be uncomfortable. To that, they, they shouldn't be protected. They should be strengthened. And so, what I would say to that is that I think that um, let's say parents, if you're using that example, that they make those decisions intending to do the best thing for their children, but it's because they don't actually know what the best thing is. So like, that's, that's why skills for life for me is so important because I actually want, because you know, when you work in a field for 20 years, you start thinking that the things that you know, or everybody knows, right. And mental health and well-being and wellness has become, like you said, really popular. And you're like, well, no, it's common sense. Everybody knows this stuff, you know, you know, but what, what I have found is that that's actually not the case. And, and with anxiety in particular, you know, when you feel anxious, your urge is to mostly leave. Like we have other reactions to anxiety. Like there's the, there's the fight, you know, which we normally wouldn't do. There's the freeze, which can sometimes happen. But fleeing, we usually just want to leave. That's the easiest thing to do. And when we do that, 
um, or avoid. So don't go, don't go at all. So leave the situation or just avoid it altogether. Mine would be, yeah, okay. Right? So when you actually follow through on that, so when you actually avoid or leave, your reaction or response to that is relief. That's the natural response. And when you feel relief, that reinforces the idea that leaving and avoiding works for anxiety. And that in the starts short term. A, that starts a, a shitty cycle. Exactly. Because what happens is when you keep leaving and avoiding, your anxiety gets bigger and bigger and bigger about whatever you're leaving and avoiding. So the skill is approach. Approach the things that you are anxious about. And it seems very simple, but it can be quite complicated for people but, depending on what it is. That's what I was saying. Because, you know, mental health is a, a big thing these days. Uh, people have also almost used it as an excuse to avoid difficult situations and therefore they become just worse people. They become, well, not worse, softer people. Whereas like my nephew, for example, who's three, mm-hmm. he's, uh, I wanted him to start going to martial arts because he's like a really active boy. He's not the best listener and uh, it's good. It kind of, it's just a good, um, a good thing for him to learn. Mm-hmm. Good. Anyway, he hated it for the first, uh, I don't know, month. And he was going twice a week. Mm-hmm. Not because he was bad at it. He was the best. He had the best punch, best kick. I, you know, I showed him everything. He's a, he's a, <laughs> I'm trying to get him into the UFC, actually, <laughs> in case he gets older. But, but um, he was great at it. But he, he, hated, he hated going. And my sister, his mom, my sister, uh, I said to her, doesn't matter. He's got to go anyway. He, he just eventually he will like it. You keep him going. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. And now he actually still isn't that, like he, he'll call me and be like, oh, can you come sit in the class with me? And I do. Sometimes I'll, I'll leave work and I'll go sit. Um, but he, he's learning that you, you can't just quit things. You have to, you know, do, being good at something is hard. And, mm. and, and when he's, you know, when he does something great, I'll clap or I'll, I'll, I'll hug him after, or, you know, so he's learning, okay, I did something hard. Then I did something good and now I'm getting a reward. And I, this is, I mean, this is obviously for a child I'm talking, but right. it works for, for everyone. That's right. I think, um, you know, pay attention to what your preferences are, but also try to develop the sides of yourself that, you know, are going to be challenging to develop. Is what I said, did that make sense? Like in regards to persevering? Yeah. And, and, not succumbing to anxiety and using it as a excuse? Well, I think, um, yes, of course. I mean, I think it just depends on what response you have to anxiety. But anxiety in particular, like I said before, is, is quite problematic because people tend to hate that they feel anxious, feel like it's abnormal, um, and then try to relieve themselves of it immediately. <laughs> and it's like, well, hold on a second. Anxiety has a function and sometimes it's supposed to be there. And sometimes it's, um, what gives us that, um, kind of extra drive and, you know, that pressure and that stress can be really good for us sometimes. But how do you identify the things that give you anxiety? For example, I never get anxiety for work. Mm-hmm. Work's never been a cause of anxiety for me. Okay. But there are some things in life that will trigger anxiety. Yeah. And, and I'll know what You're they human. are. You're <laughs> human. But, 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 but they don't make, it doesn't make sense to have anxiety. So why do only certain things give you anxiety? How do you identify what the cause is 
of your anxiety if everything doesn't, you know, all stressful situations don't don't do it to you. Yeah. Do, oh do, we, do we need a privatization? Oh my gosh. I mean that that's a I mean, you could we could talk about that for a long time. There's so many um individual differences in what we feel uncomfortable with, what we feel anxious about, um, how resilient we are. It has to do a lot with um our support systems, how we grew up, um, the beliefs that we grew up with, how we talk to ourselves. Um, the circumstances that affect our personal lives, you know, we're all so different for so many different reasons. So, I mean, that's part of, I guess, what I do for a living is to try to help people understand, like, whoa, where where did it come from? But not spend a whole lot of time on the why and spend much more of the time on the what now. What do we do about it now? Okay, we know you're anxious about this. We know that what you're doing about it isn't particularly effective, um, it is nice though so to know can, the why it's like, okay, well absolutely. that's there for if, this reason. Yeah. So at least I know it's not just like, I'm not sick. If you, you absolutely know put it in context and it's absolutely imperative to do some work on the why, but you don't want to get stuck there. People can get stuck in the why and they're not doing anything they never, about it. They never, sol- <laughs> they never look at, and they never solve. And sometimes it's, the answer is never satisfying, you know? So they just keep looking and it's like, well, you can spend your lifetime looking but if you actually want to live a better life, you need to do things differently. And that's what, you know, I suppose that's where I come from. And I, that's why I have like, because, you know, I have two businesses. I have my private practice, which is, you know, my psychology business. Um, and that's humming along nicely. And I keep that um, nice and small and contained and limited so that I can do the other parts, um, which is the skills for life stuff. And skills for life is really not, it's not about therapy. It's about skills training. It's about, well, what are the skills that are going to help people have the best quality of life? I really love that idea. And I really love the idea of doing it in uh, audio, you know, having, especially with your voice um, having, uh, you know, being able to listen to like a podcast, but it be really beneficial to your understanding of yourself and how you're going to attack your day. Yeah. Well, and what I really strive to do also is to make it as personal and individualized as possible, because I do think, and I think maybe you were alluding to this earlier with the proliferation of wellness materials and, you know, that, uh, there sometimes is a very formulaic way of saying like, do this and your life will be better. You know, just do these five things and everything will be okay. And it's like, well, that's not really how it works. It's not really a one size fits all um, solution. So I really try in my courses to get people to reflect on themselves. Like what are the issues, their personal issues? What are their personal obstacles? And then how can they effectively manage those things and then trying to give them, you know, a range of options in terms of what are the evidence-based options out there in terms of skills and strategies, try them. And then you come up with your own formula for yourself about what's going to work for you. That's really, um, the goal. Yeah. I like that. Just, you know, give them the information and use it as you as, as you see fit. Yeah. And there's a process to that and really understanding the process of change and that it's not this linear, you know, you learn stuff and then you do it and everything's fine. <laughs> like that, it just doesn't work so that way. So what are the topics you've done and what are the topics that you're thinking of doing? 
So the topics I've done are um, overcoming insomnia and the latest one, which was developed when the pandemic began, was coping with anxiety in challenging times. Um, so it's not just about the pandemic. It's just about, you know, any challenging times. But I feel like that's the one that I'm, I feel like that's my flagship program. That's, that's the one that has the, some really, really helpful skills that will help people across their home life, their work life, and, and anywhere in between. And how can I listen to that? Maybe because I can, I'm better, I'm catching a flight after this. So, oh, oh you're welcome to listen to it. Uh, I can give you how some access. <laughs> so, so you go to oh, doctor, you go it, to drlilianneja.com mm -hmm. and uh, there are links there where you can purchase one or both of those programs. And then you get a login into the Skills for Life portal and you get to to go through the program. So the program includes 10 sessions, the anxiety ones, 10 sessions that are about 15 minutes per session. And it also comes with downloadable worksheets and some extra relaxation and mindfulness activities as well. And mm. you know what, what I'm finding, and I really, really appreciate Cub for this, because I feel like this business that I've started, Skills for Life, is brand new. Like I just got the tech sorted out by the end of last year um, and, you know, have it even really officially Launched, launched it. it. Has soft launch. It's there. You know, if you want it, you want it. You can get it. But I feel like the direction of this company is really being shaped by being part of Cub, um, and being around. And that's why I mean, part of the reason why I joined is because I come from you know a career in the health you know industry. So my networks are very much in in that area, and I felt like I really needed to be part of a business community um, so that I could learn what that is. I'm not somebody who sells and on markets. I didn't have to do that for my other business because I had networks that just referred people to me. Um, but what I'm really finding is that Cub has, that a lot of other business networks maybe lack, is that that emphasis on creating those relationships and not for it not to be this transactional process. Yeah. Um, That's why Cub's special. I agree. Yeah, I 100% I agree. Um, because when, because that's what I do, that's what I do for a living. I, I, that's, you know, when I, I create relationships and um, I want to get to know people and I want them to get to know me and, um, and just meeting the different, and you've, you've recruited really well. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> but I feel like so far you're my favorite member. <laughs> I, I oh, thanks. I really, really like the people that I've met, and I've met people from, um, you know, who've been here for three, five years, you know, from the beginning, and I've met people who just joined in the last couple of months, and they're all amazing, generous, thoughtful, high quality people. I want to collaborate with, um, and. And, you know, going into business on your own after working in teams your whole life is is not only daunting, but it's quite lonely. And so Cub has given me uh, that opportunity to potentially collaborate with people and be part of different teams. It's nice to feel that you just belong to something for that part of your life. That's what, that's what you know, people have their family, they've got their friends, but um, as an in your as an entrepreneur and journey you're, you're on now sometimes it's nice to have like a, a a group a community that's for that part of your life to support you in that part of your life oh, and, and i'm finding it, it really really valuable and and 
and business-wise, it's helping me shape the focus because I feel like my focus is kind of everywhere. You know, when you're a psychologist and you treat adults and you have a broad spectrum of things that you're, you know, able to, to manage, you know, from 18 to 80, you know, whatever, you know, whatever mental health problem I, you know, you, you tend to be able to do it. But when you're in business, it's all about like focus and personas, and you know, what's your niche? And I'm like, I don't know. I can do a lot well, of different I, But things. I also think that when you're in business, um, as a business owner, the wise part of your brain is the most important because you you need to, often you need to suppress how you're feeling or you need to pretend to be feeling a different way. Because, for example, and I know you're looking at me like you shouldn't do that, <laughs> but it's definitely true. I will, uh, I'll, I'll, we can debate this one because, mm. because um, for example, if I'm, if I was depressed on a Monday, it's because um, of something that happened on the weekend. It's got nothing to do with work and I'm depressed on Monday. If I come in and I'm leading the morning meeting and I look sad, that means the team is starting the week with a sad leader. They're, they're thinking, I, I need energy, I need motivation, especially the sales team. God forbid, the worst thing you do is give the sales team bad <laughs> energy. Then then I'll actually be depressed at the end of the week because there will be no sales. But but if, I, if, if you come in as a business, as the leader, and you're strong, you're, you, you, you're – you don't have to be happy inside, but at least you're showing happiness. The team feels that energy and, and the team's like, yes, okay, this is going to be a great week. And, and, and they're off. So, and that's, if, that's all the time. Even during something, let's say Cubs having an event. Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, let's say um, like Holly, who for the listeners is our community manager here in Melbourne. Holly is amazing. Yes, she is. Let's say Holly comes to me and says, oh, um, Daniel, I'm, I'm, I'm really upset about um, this event or this, this, uh, this networking group, core group as we call them. Um, you know, three of the people uh, weren't able to make it. Um, you know, she's showing signs of um, sadness. If I say, oh, that does suck, yeah, well, it's going to make it worse. But if I say, ah, that's, that's normal. Some, you know, things come up, they're, they're business owners. One of them had a sick kid. One of them had a, I don't know, whatever. And it, it's, it's, it's great. It's actually better for the group because they have more time to actually focus on each other. And, and you're positive about it, you know. Well, I mean, she, I, I'm going to challenge you a little bit. I want you to. That's, I'm yeah. hoping. Only, I was waiting for you to jump in. Okay. So I think you're right in a lot of ways. Um, I think that you are, like, for instance, you know, I'm a psychologist. I might have issues going on at home that are stressing me out. But when I go into the room, I, I have a professional stance. It's my job to have a professional stance, right? So I walk in with those skills and I do my job. Um, on the other hand, when, in the example that you were talking about with Holly, if that's ever happened before, but just it, as an example. Of course, it, it happened two days ago. <laughs> just as an example. It, it is actually okay to acknowledge somebody's disappointment or anxiety about something. You don't have to suppress it. You could actually say, yeah, it makes complete sense that you're feeling disappointed about that. And then you can move on to, but reality is that this stuff happens all the time. No, but you don't have to suppress their anxiety, their feelings, but you'd have to suppress yours. For example, if you're sitting in, a, I'm your, um, not a patient, he's a client. Client, yeah. yes. Client. <laughs> if I'm your client and I'm sitting in the room and I'm looking at my 
super depressed uh, psychologist, I'm going to be like, what? You know, yeah, you'd have, to, you'd have to That's say, what I'm saying. I'm like, coming to you to be happy and you're sad. Uh, yeah. What is this about? I'm going to find, it's like going to a PT that's fat. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, obviously I'm not going to get trained by you because you know, it's not working. So, <laughs> so. Second no. time you said fat today. Okay. <laughs> I always get, I always get in trouble for saying, it's just such an obvious, like, it's just a relatable, obvious, like, oh, you know. <laughs> but, 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 okay, I'll think of it. It's like going to. Oh, That's fine. You, know you don't have to give Stay. another example. It's fine. <laughs> Who else should I offend? <laughs> no. Okay. But you know, do, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I totally so understand. So you'd have to suppress that. So I would say that what you do, I, I guess I would reframe it a little bit. I would say that you go in expressing different parts of yourself when you're in a professional environment. So Suppressing the bad. The- so you contain it for that time period, but you don't suppress it like in an, kind of overall general way. Because if you're constantly suppressing your feelings, that's not going to be good for you in the long run. Well, it's the same thing as constantly containing them. Though. It's the same thing. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in so essence, you do some... As you a, have to contain to a degree depending on the circumstances that you're in. But most... 100%. And yeah. that's what I'm trying to yeah, get at. But absolutely. as a business, as the leader, you find yourself containing it more often than than others may have to. And that could cause a lot. Mm. I'm trying to speak on behalf of the members, right? I'm trying to. Yeah. I I'm trying to be. Okay, I I'm understand the, what you're listen. saying. So business owners particularly suffer because not just are they carrying their own issues and then having to contain them mm-hmm. frequently throughout the day, throughout the, all the time, but yeah. then they've got to deal with everyone else's issues. Someone else has a sick mom or someone else has a yes. divorce going on. Yeah. Or some, and, you've, and you're having then to, you have to uh, handle your team's issues and then you got family and then you, you know, mm-hmm. you got all this energy that has to flow out of you to the people around you that surely that's draining. Um, I, 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 I could tell you it's, it's oh, yeah. I, and I've um, seen, pe- I've seen people, um, business owners who have, who have that level of stress. And so how, to, I guess what I'm trying to get is what advice do you have for the listeners and members that, how how can they be how, how do you encourage them to handle that because you know, you do have to contain you can't be weak when you are weak people you know you know what i'm saying <laughs> i would use different words of course Daniel. i know but my job is but to yeah. use the like really like <laughs> layman and like kind of how how someone else might say it i feel like a lot of the language is quite judgmental judgmental towards yourself and potentially judgment. When you're judgmental towards yourself, you have the potential to be judgmental judgmental towards others. So what I would say to a business owner who, you know, has those struggles, which is pretty much all of them, is make sure you've got somebody to talk to about it. So whether that's your your cub community, community, or whether that's, you know, you've got your own mentor, or whether that's, um, you know, like for psychologists have somebody all the time. Like we're, because tra- what we do is draining and we do have our own lives. I can imagine what you do being extremely draining. Well, see, I don't, I don't, I mean, draining is to me the wrong word. I feel like it, it could, it has the potential Energy to exhausting. Be, it can, yes, it can be tiring because you are putting so much of your energy into listening and to understanding and helping someone through their issues. You're having to deal with other people's problems and feelings. 
Right. And so I, I find it quite it. energizing. I don't actually find it draining to do that work. But after, you know, you do that with six people in one day, which is my absolute limit, um, then it's really important to take care of yourself. And part of the process of taking care of yourself is to talk to somebody who knows exactly what you do and what it's like. And so in psychology, we have to have someone we call a supervisor that can be a peer person or someone who's ahead of you, like an experience, to talk to about what's going on. And that might be what's going on, like we're maybe stuck with where to go with, with a client, or it might actually be I'm going through this issue in my life and I need to work through that so I can be there for my client. It could be a whole range of things. But in other industries, you don't have that. No, that, and that, what's so interesting about that is I reckon that's the number one reason members join CUP is just to have friends that they relate to, that they can say, you know, when COVID's happening, yeah. oh my God, like I think I'm worried my business is going to uh, die. Oh, me too. Oh, okay. Well, that's normal. Everyone else is worried about that. So, you know, how are we going to get through these guys? Oh, and, and having that sense of... That was a pretty bad example, but you know, having that sense of relatability with a friend, it, it can it almost normalizes the experiences. If other people aren't experiencing what you're experiencing, you think you're the only bad one. or wrong. Yeah. yeah. But when the, everyone around you is is just like you, yes. like I'm normal. That's exactly and, right. I and, think you nailed it there because I think a, a lot of um, <laughs> I'm not crazy. A lot of a lot of issues come about because what's going on in your head, you think you're the only one. And actually, and like, if you have the mindset of like things are going on in your head that you don't particularly like, or you feel uncomfortable with, but you're like, everyone thinks this, you're, you're going to think very differently about that. You're not going to be so judgmental and hard on yourself about it. It's like, no, this is part of life. This is just what happens in our heads sometimes. You know, who's done it the best. I, I, after meeting you, I'm, I'm convinced he's a genius. Your husband he literally married a psychologist. He could speak to you about everything. He's got he's he's got the best. But I, I'm actually going to go like uh, uh, find a psychologist to marry because it's, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to like it. It's the, it's the best. You could always talk to someone about this. You know what's funny though? Genius. When you talk about like I was talking about professional stance, like I am not a psychologist at home. <laughs> So well, I express a different side of myself at home than I do at work. Yeah, that's pro I can yeah. imagine Anthony, <laughs> Anthony, my business partner in Sydney, also one of my longest uh, best friends. His his uh, girlfriend Chelsea, long 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 term girlfriend, um, is an amazing cook, and uh, she she wanted to start her own catering business, and so uh, we gave her the kitchen at at the office in Sydney and, you know, it's her kitchen now. And so she started its catering business, which actually has, it, all the members use her now, MG Catering. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing, amazing chef, amazing, amazing cook. She started the business out of cup and now she's, she's doing really, Fantastic. she's amazing. Yeah. Really special girl. And, um, Anthony goes to me the other day, he goes, man, I'm so proud of Chelly. I'm so proud of Chelsea. Uh, she's just doing so well. Um, but you know what sucks? I'm like, yeah, what? She, he's like, she used to always cook at home because she, you know, she, she, <laughs> yeah. she goes, now because she's cooking all day, she gets home, she doesn't want to cook anymore. <laughs> that's maybe what's yeah, happening. Yeah, that's right. Show. It's like, oh, just let it all hang out. Oh. <laughs> and then if I put my psychologist voice on with my husband, he gets annoyed. With me. <laughs> like, Is this your psychologist voice right now? I don't, well, I think it's a good I mix. love it. I, I think it's I mean, a good mix, Daniel, yeah. of like both stances at the same time. And so how can, 
but you know, uh, in answer to your question in terms of support. Yeah. So one is have somebody, at least one person, if not a community of people to talk to, like you said, to normalize it. That you can relate to. That you can relate to. Yeah. Who are in a similar position to you. The other thing is, um, and this is, I guess, where I think skills for life can really be helpful is when you have, have wellness, well-being programs for your workplace, um, that can be a support system for your employees so that you don't have to bear all of it on your shoulders. Like a like a group psychologist? For example, well, like if me and you had some sort of uh, arrangement where if the team, you know, a monthly uh, payment or something, and, and if the team needed to talk or had an issue, they could just talk, they could speak to you? Well, Okay, so a lot of organizations, especially large ones, they have what's called EAP programs, which are basically um, access to psychologists or a qualified mental health professional should they need that level of support. What I'm mostly talking about is providing kind of skills training programs. So stuff that will always exist there for people to access um, that can help prevent issues from happening that can create a culture of comfort with the issues of mental health and well-being. And that goes beyond the basics of kind of, you know, nutrition and physical activity and, you know, get enough sleep. Like we all know that those things, but we need to kind of go beyond that now. Um, so I think having, um, and also to have it, um, easily accessible so that you don't have to have a live person there all the time. Like that person can be there sometimes to answer questions or provide support, but yeah. you've got something. They can there. do it from home whenever they need it, whenever Privately, they Privately, yeah. yeah. Even while they work, they could listen to efficient, it. Yeah, it's efficient, it's private, it's confidential. Um, it can be bespoke, you know, like it can be actually made for your employees, their demographic, what's going to appeal to them. So, so one of the things you can do as a business owner is um, deflect their problems to to something else. So I'm joking. Well, provide but, a support system. But give them system. information yeah. that helps them deal with it better. So Absolutely. therefore you don't have to take, take the, take the brunt of it. And but the other thing though, the final thing, and I think that the direction of business is going to move this way because I think the younger generations, as I was saying before, are much more willing to be open about what's going on for them. And I think business owners can actually show some vulnerability sometimes that that can actually be sometimes. helpful and yeah. validating for people to see, yep, you know, I'm a human. Makes I, people like you more. Well, and relate to you. You're not a superhuman. You're a human like everybody else. You feel stressed like everybody else. Um, you don't want, you, and you can present like, well, what are the, you know, what are the things that are helping you get mm. through it? Um, that can be a really helpful thing to do. And, and, because um, I reckon this is another common one for the, for the members. You brought it up before. I'd never thought about it. But if you're judgmental to yourself, then you're most, you're probably going to be judgmental to, towards others. But as a business, as an entrepreneur, you almost have to be judgmental to yourself because you're judging yourself so harshly every day to push yourself further and further and push yourself more to want well, to develop. And I would say that that's a belief that a lot of people have that isn't necessarily true. That you don't necessarily need to judge of, yourself and be harsh to yourself to motivate yourself. Okay, but it may be what – okay, that may be true, but it happens. And it's probably what's causing a lot of the time people to – achieve a lot of things they're, they're judging themselves like 
nope, I believe I'm this, I'm not that, I'm going to keep pushing forward. It, it could be my experience, but it could also be, I mean, really anyone that does good at anything, whether you've been an athlete or Yeah, I, I mean, people are motivated by lots of things. And I think that one of the things that has motivated people has been this idea that you have to be punishing towards yourself in order to motivate yourself to, to strive for things. But I think if you actually evaluated that belief, you could probably find there are maybe even more effective ways to motivate yourself to strive for things. Such as? Such as aligning with your values, having passion behind it, having meaning behind it. Um, yeah. That's true. That's a good one. But but um, <laughs> <laughs> did you study this? <laughs> but, um, but, but so to, to the judgmental thing. If you're judging yourself to such a high standard, and you, you know you you, uh, you don't want to feel anything, you you know you just want to keep pushing forwards, you then start looking at others, your team, right, and you start wondering why they don't push themselves or mm -hmm. they don't judge themselves, and that can cause conflict. That can cause issues too because you're like, oh, I don't like this person. Then you know they they're not they haven't got the right attitude towards. Right. Really, that person's probably have got a fine attitude, but you know this is something that I'm going to assume. Um a lot of business owners deal with. So I guess what, what do you have to say about that? What well, what I have to say is that there are, and I think we talked about this earlier, that there are lots of reasons why people respond in different ways and lots of reasons that impact people's level of resilience. And to have a more curious stance about that rather than a judgmental one. Because the more curiosity you have, the more understanding you will have about your employees. And once you understand it and accept it for what it is, you can actually do something about it. You can do something that's effective. And also when you're curious, you're going to speak to them and ask. And then because they that's can right. see you're asking, they see you, that you care, then they, 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 they feel a greater sense of, uh, they, they like, they think you're a better leader. I agree. I think that, um, people respond to being listened to and validated. Awesome. Well, I mean, Laura keeps twirling her fingers, which means it's time to wrap up. But I actually feel like I just got started. I, I, I could do this um, a lot longer. Um, we can do a follow-up at some point. Yeah, well, maybe we can make it like a regular kind of thing where like yeah, we do where we do um, some sort of mental health thing. Because honestly, you open a lot. This is probably the worst thing that's ever happened to my personal uh, brand. People are going to be like, this guy's a whack job. <laughs> I was trying to speak on behalf of all business owners people. But um that but, was judgmental, Daniel. But, but, um, <laughs> but um, I, I think it would be really valuable to have like a regular session because we, we only scrape, scrape the surface of, of a lot of important things. And, and as I was talking about it, I was, I was really kind of feeling empathetic for, for um, just all business owners, for, for all, really all leaders because they are dealing with their own personal thing, the personal th things of their issues of their teams and, and people that rely on them, including yes. their families. And, and often their friends look up to them because, you know, they're in a position that they could probably help them. And, you know, they are seemingly successful mm. in life, uh, not actually seemingly in that it's just one part of their life. Um, and that's a house of cards that, that can tumble quite quickly. And I, I can tell you now, I've seen it happen over and over again, uh, uh, just being, just having cub. Yeah, you know, I, I I speak to people on the phone. I can hear instantly if they're literally on the edge, um, and it's a normal thing for business owners. And I think we could do like a regular talk, a regular podcast. We could even do a show together if you're interested. Let's do it. But uh, we could do a regular podcast that um, 
kind of focuses on, you know, each of the things. Like we didn't even talk about insomnia. That's a big one for members. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one for me. There's a lot to talk about. I mean, it's it's life stuff. So there's yeah. there's so many different topics to cover. And and if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they find you? Your website or so yes, drlilianejad.com is the best. Place and Nejad is N-E-J-A-D. Correct. And two L's in Lillian. Okay. So drlilianejad.com.au? Nope, just.com. Just.com. Yeah. Um, and uh, they can reach out to you from there. They could, uh, if they want to do uh, check out your two courses, they can do that. Yep. You can just, you can very easily just buy, buy a course. That's yep. no problem. But if you want to embed, um, well-being programs into your business, um, contact me. That's reach what I do. I, I create content. I almost feel like, uh, we could I- I- embed that into like the community, like for, for me, rather than just doing it for the team, I could do it for the members. Mm-hmm. You know, give the members. I, well, I think they're the they're the. I love business owners. <laughs> I <laughs> <know>? can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd be good. Um, all right, and if you want to check out Lillian's favorite, Doctor Lillian, sorry, mm-hmm. with two L's, favorite um, book quote. Uh, go to website, connect with her on LinkedIn, then go to cub.club forward slash podcast, and you can find it all there. Um, I actually am kind of sad that we're stopping this episode. To be honest with you because I had a lot more to say, but <laughs> I enjoyed it. And it's going to be the start of, uh, I understand my sadness is there for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I hope you enjoyed the show. Bye guys.